Okay, if you would, turn to Psalm 125 this morning. you would read along with me, the psalmist writes, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands and do to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. I grew up watching Saturday morning westerns, and like every kid my age, I I needed a fort to protect me against Indians and bandits. And to my delight, one day my parents bought a new refrigerator, and that refrigerator came in a massive box, which soon became my fort. It was big. I cut out a window so I could shoot the bad guys. I was secure in my fort. It was, it was, it was made of, of stone, and it was, it was strong until my younger brother fell on top of it. In 1912, the Titanic took its maiden voyage from Southport, England. It was a, a ship that was thought to be unsinkable. And a crew member actually remarked, God himself could not sink this ship. The security that was felt in Titanic's invincibility was quickly shattered. And, in, and it was clear that the ship was not secure. In 1929, the American dream of being financially secure became a nightmare as the stock market plummeted and the Great Depression followed. The things that once seemed so secure turned out to be woefully fragile. And there are many things in our lives that offer security that in reality are not secure. The truth is there, there is nothing this world can offer us, nothing earthly that offers us lasting security. And as the psalmist writes in 125, he saw this. He saw that there was no security in earthly things. And he wisely concludes that security is only found in one place, in the Lord. Psalm 125 is known as a psalm, a song of ascent. Each year, the people of God would undertake a pilgrimage from their villages to Jerusalem to celebrate an important festival that would honor and glorify the Lord. It was a special time of spiritual renewal, spiritual growth. And as they gathered with God's people together, they gathered to remember God's goodness and God's glory and God's grace. It's really, in essence, what we do here each Sunday morning. We gather together. Now, their journey from their villages to Jerusalem was a dangerous one. They had to contend with the heat of the scorching sun. They had to contend with the cold at night. They had to walk on rocky, narrow mountain paths. They had to go alongside of steep cliffs. They were, they were 
possibly going to encounter wild animals or thieves. It was a dangerous journey that they would take, and it was filled with much vulnerability and uncertainty and insecurity. Their, their lives in general at this time, in the time of this, this people, it was a life of insecurity. They had wicked leaders leading their, their nation. They had warring nations that wanted to conquer them. They lived in an agrarian society that just you never knew, you never had a guarantee if, if it was going to rain, if there would be a drought, if you were going to be able to even harvest a crop. That's the life, and, and it was a fragile world, and we as well live in a fragile world. All you have to do is, is turn on the television. Vivid images appear each night on the news where great uncertainty is on display. Governments seem impotent, and police seem paralyzed, and society as a whole seems at this time to be unraveling. Today, we regularly hear that these are unfamiliar times, these are unprecedented times, these are unusual times, and no real solutions are being offered. Life is simply uncertain, which brings a great insecurity to many. For all the uncertainties this writer of Psalm 125 faces, he looks beyond his temptation to find his security not in earthly things, but by speaking of the security that every believer, every follower of Christ, every disciple has in the Lord, even, even in bad times. He looks not only to the Lord, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't see anything but God. That's who he's looking at. And he sees the Lord and it brings him great peace. There is there are three things that this psalmist will tell us in this psalm about the Lord that should bring us peace in our times of uncertainty, in our times of insecurity. He tells us, he tells us in this psalm that he's not rattled, that he's not anxious, that he's not fearful, that he's not undone by the turmoil that swirls around him because he sees something far beyond those circumstances. He sees the Lord. And it's because he trusts in God and he knows who God is and he knows what God can do that he is able to worship God. He's able to, at this festival, this time of remembrance, to remember God's times of great deliverance as he looks back on the exodus in Israel, as he sees how God has saved them from warring nations. He is reminded who God is. And the three things that we see he's reminded of, first and foremost, he knows he is secure in the Lord. Look at verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. Now, Mount Zion is the place where the temple of God stands. It is a place where God dwells with his people. It's a dwelling place that is a bedrock. It is high and it is secure. And the psalmist is comforted by knowing that Mount Zion, the mountain itself cannot be moved. He, it cannot be moved. And he knows that a true believer in God, a true believer in Christ, is like Mount Zion. It's a simile. It's a, he's, he's saying we're like those mountains we see in the background. We, we trust in the Lord. We cannot be moved. We are anchored to God, who alone is the one that keeps us secure. The psalmist now, the psalmist is not putting trust in Mount Zion, but beyond 
Mount Zion, to who he's looking towards, which is the Lord. Even, even the temple where God dwells is not a place of security because one day that temple gets torn down as prophesied. He's looking at and putting his trust in, in God who, who dwells with his people in the temple. He knows the Lord is unchanging. The Lord is immovable. The Lord is unyielding. There's nothing that can move that mountain. Well, there's nothing that can move that mountain created by God who can move God. Who can, who can put aside God. The Lord is a strong foundation is what the psalmist is saying here. A foundation that he says but abides forever, that we will abide forever in this God who abides forever. Our, our foundation, we will be immovable as well because we abide in the Lord and he abides forever. The psalmist's point is simply this, trust in the Lord because he abides forever. No, no earthly security abides forever. No amount of money no home, no job, nothing, nothing that we have in this world abides forever, but the Lord abides forever. And he, he's always existed. He's always been around because he's eternal. And because he's eternal, he is our eternal assurance. Now, we can be moved. We can be moved out of our peaceful circumstances, and we can abide in times of trouble, we can experience trouble, and we all have, but we won't be moved if we trust in the Lord. And that's what the psalmist is declaring here. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. But then he, he, he goes on because we, he wants us to know we are secure because he secures us. And because God has said Mount Zion is immovable, it will never move, and neither will we. But he goes on to, to just pile on even more this idea of being secure in the Lord. In verse 2, he said, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. There's that sense of the eternal again. Not only do we abide forever, but God surrounds us from this time forth. God watches over us. God protects us from this time forth and forevermore. This is lasting and eternal assurance. God is our guardian. He's a sentinel always watching over us and surrounding us and caring for us. Just like Mount Zion, just like these mountains surround here. There were mountains that surrounded Jerusalem on three sides. And those mountains were, were always there. They, they protected, they provided a, a sense of protection from Israel's enemies. Who The psalmist knows that, that they, were, they were vulnerable, but God, God had them in this place, and there he was. And he is saying, God is like those mountains surrounding you, surrounding me forever. It is eternal security given by the one who is eternal, even in times of trouble. Now, now, here's the thing about times of trouble. They always come to us unannounced. I have never given a warning. Get ready. Trouble's coming. Here it is. It's not like the, the old um, watching TV in the 60s and 
you know, this is a warning, this is a test, and, and you'd get that test. That, this is not what's happening. When we are in times of trouble, they are unannounced. There's no warning. It doesn't make an appointment with us. It comes unexpectedly with great surprise. It catches us off guard. And the psalmist tells us that can happen to us, but it never happens to the Lord. God surrounds us. He's never caught off guard. He is faithfully eternally, constantly watching over those who trust him. He is guarding us to keep us secure. Now, the psalmist isn't promising a pain-free or carefree life, but one of a cared-for life. That's what he's promising here. And when trouble comes in God's sometimes dark and hidden providence, He is saying those who trust in him will not be shaken. Their faith will not unravel and their eternal hope will remain secure forever and forever. If you remember in our series in in first Peter, first Peter, Peter writes with with wonderful imagery. He writes in verse three of chapter one. He says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance. Now, here's the surrounding of God to an inheritance that is imperishable, that is undefiled, that is unfading, kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's what the psalmist is looking at here. God is guarding his children and we are secure in the Lord. But not only are we secure in the Lord, the psalmist tells us also we are safe in the Lord. Verse three, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. The psalmist is is secure in the Lord, but he's also safe in the Lord in the face of wickedness because he knows that the Lord will never allow wickedness to prevail in our lives. You remember when we went through our series in the book of Esther, King, he was a wicked king, King Ahasuerus, had a scepter. And if somebody approached the king and he held out his scepter, they could approach, they would live. But if he did not extend his scepter, they would immediately be put to death. It was really a scepter that represented wickedness and evil and unholiness because that's the king that he was. That scepter was a regal sign of of his total authority. And if he extended that scepter, you lived, but if he didn't, you died. God's promised security, even when we see or hear or experience evil, it will not shake us when, when the scepter of wickedness is not extended towards us when the scepter of wickedness exists in our lives he he is knowing this psalmist is knowing that that in god's kingdom wickedness will not prevail everybody sees wickedness every day everybody hears about wickedness every day you read about it online you see it on the news you have experienced it in your own life personally you you just know no, no neighborhood is perfectly secure. No neighborhood is perfectly safe. There's, there's this wickedness, and, and it touches us. 
There are moments when wicked touches us. And the psalmist is so clear. God's promised security, even when we see and hear and experience wickedness, it will not shake us. Because we know that in God's kingdom, wickedness does not ultimately prevail. Even those in authority who are who are in authority now, who are wicked, who, who have power, they still exist under God's sovereign rule. They still exist and are subject to God's ultimate authority. Because God surrounds us like a sentinel, wickedness will not shake us when it does touch us. We, we, know, we know we're not immune from it, but it will not. It will not ultimately prevail. And it will find, as he says here, for the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land. It will not rest upon us. It will not stay with us. Oh, no, no, brothers and sisters, the rest that we get is the rest that the writer of Hebrews promises. It's a rest in Christ. It's an eternal rest. It's a sovereign rest. And wickedness has no place in that. In Genesis 49, Jacob is prophesying to his sons about their future. And in 49.10, he declares this, the scepter the scepter shall not depart Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. The scepter of wickedness shall not find its rest or remain forever on the land, but the scepter of Judah, which is this, this shadowing of the coming of Christ, who is the king and who holds the, the real scepter, the true scepter. Jacob is prophesying that that is what's going to be where we rest. That is what's going to be our future. This scepter of wickedness will one day bow permanently to the scepter of Christ, who is our holy king, our perfect king, our good king, our righteous king. He reigns as Lord. He reigns as king and not the wicked. And so the psalmist is saying, you are secure in the Lord and you are safe in the Lord. Now, this psalmist doesn't know Christ as we do, but he does know God rules and reigns. And he does know that one day there will be a permanent place where a righteous king will sit on the throne and is sitting on the throne now. His, he is hoping in this future king. He is hoping in the, in the righteous scepter that has, will one day crush evil. And that has happened in Christ. He has crushed evil on the cross. And he has defeated our enemies of Satan, sin, and death. And he knows wickedness will not prevail. But he goes on. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. What is he saying there? He's saying that sometimes when we are under stress and we are anxious and we are fearful and we are insecure and we are, we are forgetful, we are not remembering the Lord keeps us safe, the Lord surrounds us, the Lord watches over us, that we have a temptation to sometimes try to find our way out of our troubles in, in a, with a human wisdom, with a human approach, instead of awaiting upon God and, and his solution. When wickedness and troubles abound in our lives, we can be tempted to come up with a human way of dealing with it but that's doomed to fail. You just need to look around today. Racism, which is wicked and horrible and 
and needs to be eradicated. Racism is, is look at the human solution for it today. Riots, buildings burning, people screaming, people trying to find a way to change the human heart, which only the gospel can do. And in Ephesians 2, Paul writes that the only solution to division, the only solution to Jew and Gentile coming together or black and white coming together, the only solution to that is the gospel. It's, it's God intervening through his son, Jesus Christ. That puts bigotry to death. That puts racism to death. That puts division to death. It's the gospel. And the human solution stretching our hands out to do wrong that's what the psalmist is saying here and and the lord the lord says listen that is not the way to do it when you are tempted to do that first corinthians 10 13 tells us that the lord provides a way of escape there are other ways we can we can go before the lord we can do the most important thing a christian can ever do and that's pray because god is eager to hear our prayers and god is eager to answer our prayers but when we try to come up with human solutions, they fail. But the Lord has promised that he will help us. In Jude 24, Jude writes, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. So it is God surrounding us. It is God our guardian, God our sentinel, who is providing a way of escape so we don't respond like the wicked, he is providing a way of escape and keeping us blameless due to keeping us from stumbling. That is the Lord who keeps us safe. And those who trust in God are safe because God is the one who is ruling and reigning. And thirdly, God not only keeps us secure, God not only keeps us safe, but we can also be confident in the Lord. Verses 4 and 5, do Good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But to those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Listen, God, God is keeping us secure and he's keeping us safe. But listen, he's not only, he's not only keeping us safe from evil, he's keeping us safe from God's final judgment. If we've put our trust in Christ, if we are those who trust in the Lord, God is keeping us safe from final judgment because Christ has taken that judgment for us. And so now we can be confident in the Lord. So as the writer of Psalms says here, he says, do good, O Lord, to those who do good and to those who are upright in their hearts. In Luke 18 if you remember last week, you're talking about Luke 18 and the rich young ruler coming to Jesus and saying, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, there is no one good but God alone. And in Romans 3, Paul writes that there is no one who does good. No, not even one. And so as I read this, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in heart. The question is, well, <laughs> who are those who are good? If Paul tells us in Romans no one does good, and Jesus says there's no one good but God alone, who, who are, who's the psalmist referring to? 
Well, he's speaking of those who are righteous because they trust in the Lord. They are righteous because they trust in the Lord. The righteous are those who trust in the covenant promises and mercies of God. Those who have become the righteousness of God in Christ. And because we are in Christ, we are good and upright. So we can be confident that God will do good to us because he wants to do good to us. He delights in doing good to us, especially in times of dark providence, times that we feel that we might be in now with uh, this pandemic virus and with the, the upheaval and unrest in our country and we're just seeing so many things change. And the psalmist says, God will do good to us. We can be confident in the Lord. We are, we are secure in the Lord. We are safe in the Lord. And we are confident in the Lord. Romans 8 tells us this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God, God works all things together because he's good. In times like these, those words ought to be refreshing. Those words should be giving us life. God works all things together for good. Everything in our lives, every evil that we face, every illness that we experience, every trial that comes our way, every trouble that shows up at our doorstep unexpectedly, God causes all things to work together for good because he is good and he desires and is good to us. He's always good to us. God is always good to us and he always works his providences in such a way that they will always turn out for our good. Romans 8, 31 through 39 speaks about nothing being able to separate us from the love of God. There's nothing. And that is what God, that's what the psalmist is telling us here. God is good to you. You can be confident that God will always be good to you. There will never be a day that God will not be good to you. And it, it doesn't have to appear as big things. It can appear in, in little ways. That God is, is good to you. The other day we were supposed to go to the pool. You have to sign up. And you have to be disinfected. You have to do all these different things just to be able to go to the pool. And, and Marilyn signed us up to go to the pool. And we're getting ready to go. And neither one of us could find our pool pass. So Marilyn prayed. And she found her pool pass in her pocket. I prayed and found nothing. So Marilyn went to the pool by herself. But God was good to her. Now, was he good to me? Yeah, because I'm not all that interested in going to the pool. <laughs> I don't want to have to take a shower before I get in the pool. I don't want to have to take a shower while I'm in the pool. I don't want to have to take a shower after I get out of the pool. I don't want to be disinfected. I don't want to wear a mask in the pool. I just... It, it's just hard to breathe underwater with a mask on. And so I just, 
God was good to us in those small and tiny ways. And, and God is good to you every day of your life in so many good and tiny ways. But the psalmist says this as well. After he says, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts, which he knows God will do, he goes on to say, but those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Here's the second warning in this passage about trying to approach life with human wisdom as opposed to God's wisdom. Those who, who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Listen, we're all tempted to walk in crooked ways at times. We all battle the indwelling sin of our own hearts. We are, are tempted at times to turn aside. As, as Devin just said, we are prone to wander. And here is where we can be prone to wander. And there's this warning. If you turn aside and you are prone to wander, the Lord will lead you away with evildoers. And it is a sober warning. If we live life apart from God, if we try to create our own security, if we try to create our own safety, if we become confident in our own human wisdom and solutions and try to take on God's ordained providences in a way that, that is, is human solution, it becomes foolishness to us. In Romans 1.22, Paul writes, claiming to be wise, they became fools. He's talking about the human condition. He's talking about humanity's approach to life. They claim to be wise, but they became fools. We do not want to act like the wicked, is what the psalmist is telling us. We do not want to become like functional atheists, where we profess God with our mouths, but we live lives in such a manner that, that puts aside God. But if we are confident in God's goodness to us, the psalmist tells us that we will live in peace, which is how the psalmist ends this, this wonderful psalm. He says, peace be upon Israel. Here, in one brief statement, the psalmist literally summarizes his entire poem. Peace be upon Israel. Now, this, this comment is rich in meaning to these people. Rich in meaning because at the end of every festival that these folks took to Jerusalem to celebrate and remember the Lord, at the end of this festival, the high priest would stand up and he would speak a benediction to the people before they left for home. He would speak this benediction from number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's what he's looking at here. The Lord whose countenance is upon you, who surrounds you. The Lord who shines his face around you. The Lord who abides with you forever and forevermore. He will give you peace. This is a wonderful benediction. It's a benediction that, that Jesus gave to his disciples in John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Now those who trust in the Lord are given peace that is divine and supernatural because he is the Prince of Peace. 
What wonderful bookends this psalm has. Those who trust in the Lord will have peace. That's, that's what this psalmist is saying here. You know, in, in the book of Galatians, Paul concluded with his own benediction. He said this, peace be upon the Israel of God. Now, who is the Israel of God? The Israel of God is the church. It's us. And so there's this benediction from Old Testament times. There's this benediction that Jesus gives about peace to his people. And there's this benediction that Paul lays upon the Galatians as the, as the church, that the church will experience the peace of God because God keeps us secure. God keeps us safe. And we can be confident that he does good to us all the time. Listen, the only true security we have, brothers and sisters, is eternal security in the one who is eternal. That's our security. Now, what's our application? The application is, is simply this from this psalm. We learn, we grow. We grow spiritually and learn to accept and to trust and to pray through the providences of God as they come about our life, whether delightful or dark. That's, that's how we apply this psalm, that we trust God's providence. We trust that God is keeping us secure, is keeping us safe, and, is, and we are confident that he is doing good to us all the time. Father, thank you that you are good to us all the time, proven in the sending of your son to die for our sins, proving in the resurrection of your son that we will have eternal life proving that you are good to us all the time. Lord, may that goodness follow everyone home today, I pray in Jesus' name.